Hey, hey, good morning. All right, so we do a lot of different things on Sunday mornings here at Mission Hills, and one of those things is uh, the way we approach Scripture. So sometimes someone acts it out up here, sometimes uh, we have someone else read it, sometimes I walk through it really slowly, and so this morning we're going to try something new. And you might think once we get into this, like in a couple minutes, you're like, this is really weird. But just go with it, all right? Just trust me, all right? We are going to uh, meditate on today's passage, and we're going to do it with a, uh, a, an old 6th century way of reading the scripture and praying called Lectio Divina. And it was birthed out of monasteries that wanted to take short passages and reflect on them deeply. And so today's passage of scripture is a short story, and so we're going to take these four verses and reflect on them. So I recommend closing your eyes. If you think, oh, I'm probably going to fall asleep, then you can look at um, this picture to kind of like remind you of what the story is about. Feel free to do that as well. So if you feel comfortable, close your eyes. And as we read through the passage this first time, I want you to listen for a phrase or a word that stands out to you, something that grabs your attention. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all that she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. Jesus said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. Only one thing is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. What was the word or phrase that stuck out to you in your mind as we read? Repeat it in your mind two or three times. Is there anything in life that distracts you or keeps you from being attentive? As we read it this next time, listen for the words of Jesus as if he is speaking directly to you. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all that she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. Jesus said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. Only one thing is essential. Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. How did Jesus' words make you feel? Place yourself somewhere within the story, 
Who are you? Are you somewhere in the room watching the interaction? Are you Martha? Are you Mary? As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all that she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. And Jesus said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. Only one thing is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. As a person within the story, what would you like to say to Jesus now? morning, may we have ears to hear and eyes to see. Amen. Um, so I have a problem. Too many people are nodding their heads right when I said that. All right. No, but seriously though, I, I am such a, I definitely identify with Martha in this story. I am, tend to be such a distracted person. I always, I always have uh, the news on or a podcast in my ears. Uh, Fran can even attest, like when I walk through the door here on Sunday mornings, like I'm always listening to something. I'm either listening to music or a sports podcast or any number of podcasts. I love podcasts too much. It's unhealthy. Um, so I, I definitely identify with Martha in this story, and I feel like a lot of our culture probably does too. We live in such a busy culture. We have so much going on that I think that most, I actually think that most other uh, people that lived in different time periods would be so shocked at the pace that we live in. And so um, I always have a time, and I'm even self-aware that I'm a distract, just naturally distracted person. And so I have to always kind of be mindful of, all right, I need to be present. If I'm, you know, at dinner, I need to, like, keep my phone, you know, in my pocket, turn it off. Uh, I need to be fully present. And I always think about this. Who here loves Thanksgiving? Yeah, right? Thanksgiving's great. I love Thanksgiving. Uh, and I always think about, especially when I was reading this story, I was totally thinking about Thanksgiving when I was thinking about Martha doing all this prep. And they, you know that they were uh, a large group of disciples you know, coming through this village into this house that Martha probably had a lot of prep work to do. And so I was just, it just made me instantly think of Thanksgiving. And so this idea of Thanksgiving and, and being distracted and having a lot of things to do if your family is anything like mine growing up, both sides of grandparents, aunts and uncles from both sides, tons of cousins over. Uh, by we'd always get over there in the morning. Uh, you know, football pregame was on, and everything was like going full force. Everything was hectic. You know, by 9:30, my aunt was yelling at my mom, and my mom was yelling at my aunt, 
and you know the potatoes are not they're going to get cold because nobody put the turkey in on time and this is just ridiculous where's the wine it's 10:30 you know and it gets so so hectic and it's so fun right like we enjoy even kind of those hectic moments especially as kids you can just laugh at you know your crazy parents or whatever and everybody running around and it's just fun but i you know you share a meal together uh, by one in my house, you know, the tryptophan starts kicking in, the cowboys are probably losing, and like everybody's like asleep, you know, at one. And Thanksgiving kind of winds down, and I think about how I, I would love to go back, right? I'd love to go back and have Thanksgiving with my grandparents again, get all the cousins together and, and, and see what a Thanksgiving meal was like. And I have to think that on some level, um, you know, we were distracted, right? On some level, even if we enjoyed it, even if we were doing good things, even if the meal that we were preparing was uh, really good and we all had a good time, maybe on some level, maybe I could have soaked it up a little bit more. And um, I think that's fairly relevant to our story uh, this morning with, with Mary and Martha. Now, Mary and Martha, this story has been... Has anybody, has anybody not heard this story? We did the Good Samaritan last week. And... Uh, which is a really popular story, but I also think this little short four or five verses of Mary and Martha is also a pretty well-known story. And it's been taught in really, really different ways through the centuries. A lot of times Mary is pitted against Martha. Martha is the uh, symbol of the active life, the person within religious life who is always doing and serving and going. And uh, Mary is a picture of the contemplative life, the person who studies and quietly um, you know, lives a life full in prayer. But I think that reading really misses a lot of the point. And so um, if, you have a, if you have your Bibles uh, or have a phone that you can pull up the Bible app, uh, we're going to look back through um, these four verses. It's Luke 10, Luke 10, 38 through 42. Gospel of Luke 10, 38 through 42. And uh, what's interesting uh, just about this story is that it's completely unique to the Gospel of Luke. It's not in any other, other Gospels. Uh, so these four verses are unique in that way. Um, and it says, They continued, in verse 38, their travel. Jesus enter, entered a village. So this verse actually picks up right where the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan last week leaves off. So they, they're traveling into a village, and um, from what we can know about Mary and Martha, uh, that they're probably in Bethany. There's a little bit of debate whether it's the same Mary and Martha as that live in Bethany that's talked about in the Gospel of John. I probably think it, that it is the same Mary and Martha, so let's say they're in Bethany. So that's about two or so miles from Jerusalem. So if you think in your mind Jerusalem is the uh, religious center, uh, they're in a small village fairly close to the, the Jewish religious center. So a woman by the name of Martha welcomed Jesus and made him feel quite at home. So Martha, who's kind of in history been demonized for being the one that kind of misses the point, she's the, actually the initiator. She initiates what? Hospitality, right? She welcomes Jesus into her home. And from what we know about Mary and Martha, they're followers of Jesus, right? So they're, they're traveling all around with a group of, I don't know, maybe 70 people or so, and they are following Jesus. So they feel comfortable welcoming Jesus into their home because uh, they know Jesus really well. And so she extends this hospitality and feel, makes him feel quite at home in her home. So she initiates uh, this hospitality. She has a sister, Mary, 
who is sitting before the master. She sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. What do you think about when you hear that phrase, hanging on every word? I totally think of like Justin Bieber fangirl. That's just me. Like I, <laughs> I just imagine, like when I used to hear this story, I, I was like, oh, that's sort of sad. Like she, she's just like, just like hanging kind of like, you know, puppy dog eyes, like on every word that Jesus says. But that is not at all what's going on here, all right? So her sitting is very important. It says she sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. Well, it makes it really interesting because in first century culture, uh, there were spaces for men and spaces for women, and the two really never mixed. Most people say that uh, men and women mixed outside where the children were playing, and then they mixed in the bedroom. That was about it. So in a situation like this, there would have been a woman's space in the house and a man's space in the house. And so whenever we're introduced to Mary, where is she? She is on the man's side of the house. She is sitting before the rabbi. Very important, very interesting. So oh, in order to, uh, we, I've talked about this before on Sunday, about being covered in the dust of your rabbi. As the followers and disciples uh, were following Jesus, it was customary that you would want to do everything like your rabbi. So Jesus, first century rabbi, his disciples would have tried to uh, copy him and everything that he did, every little mannerism. So they would be watching. And one thing that was also customary is that you would sit at the feet of your rabbi. So if you read a lot of uh, extra biblical uh, texts and Jewish texts, you will see this little phrase often, sat at the feet of a rabbi. It's what you did is if you were also trying to become a rabbi. So Mary here is making a very scandalous move because her sitting at the feet of a rabbi meant that she wanted to be a rabbi. That was a man's space. And so sitting at the feet of the rabbi meant you on some level wanted to become a rabbi. Now when this was written, would have been you know, 50 or so years after the time of the story. And many people will say that, well, the first century church here is trying to figure out what is a woman's space and what is a man's space. And the text here is essentially saying, no, women can sit at the feet of the rabbi and women can be teachers. But Martha, Martha was pulled away that all, by all that she had to do in the kitchen, right? This is what she was supposed to do. There would have probably been some other people helping her. Um, later, she stepped in, interrupting them. And she said, Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. See, it wasn't maybe uh, the act of uh, non-hospitality that she thought Martha was not giving, that, Mar that Mary, sorry, that Mary was not helping her. It's that Mary was occupying a different space. And it wasn't maybe so much that all the things that she had to do, which were real. I mean, there was a lot to going and prepping a meal, but perhaps that's not the main reason why Martha is so upset in this story. Has anyone, or, you know, have you ever been uh, frustrated with someone about something and then you confront them, but you're actually frustrated, like the thing that you confront them about is actually not the thing that you're mad about? Has it, I'm just the only one? You know, where you, where you, like, you confront somebody and you're, you're really frustrated about something where you're like, that's, there's a thing behind the thing. I think there's some, time, some of that going on in, in this situation. And so Martha, in a sense, is really resistant to uh, Mary's stance here. Mary is taking the stance 
in the posture of a man, and she is wanting to be attentive and listening. And so Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, this is not some sort of uh, passive adoration. This is active listening because as a student of a rabbi, you are constantly thinking, I, how do I mirror this? How do I imitate this? So this is a very active thing that Mary's doing. Um, has anyone ever resisted a moment of your personal growth? Yeah. Whenever, whenever we tend to break or change uh, maybe from our, um, maybe we make a, sh a personal shift uh, that might be a little bit different than the way our, our family has done something, or maybe a little bit different than the way our people in our community do things. Uh, maybe even our, our city, maybe it goes broad. Maybe, maybe we're going a bit countercultural. Um, has anyone ever resisted a moment of your personal growth? I think that's a bit of what is happening here. So Jesus responds. He says, Martha, dear Martha, you're anxious far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. Only one thing is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. And I love this. I love that. I, so I was reading out of the message uh, version of the Bible. I tried to read from different versions, and um, I liked the narrative style that the message took, but then I also liked uh, Eugene Peterson's uh, phrase here at the end, it's the main course. So essentially Jesus is making a little play on words toward uh, the uh, context of this being within a meal. So if, you, if we think about it that way, a lot of versions kind of leave that little part out, but I like that edge to the story that this is all happening in within the context of a meal. And it's not that what Martha's doing is, is wrong or uh, bad. No, she's, she's serving. She's doing the act of hospitality that was probably above and beyond what was expected of her. Um, but he also, he, he verifies what, what Mary's doing, and that's important. So clearly both are contributing as followers of Jesus, and both are vital parts of uh, first century uh, tribe ushering in and learning about the kingdom of God. And yet there's something distracted about Martha. Not, not worse, not bad, just distracted. Maybe, maybe just slightly missing the point. Um, maybe just lost, I like this phrase, lost in the many, because I know I can be definitely lost in the many of the day-to-day. -day. I think it's something that we can all relate to. And I think that's why, at least in our culture, and when I've heard this uh, passage talked about, we tend to defend Martha, right? You know, Mary's this, symbol of contemplation and listening, and even if, it's, even if we sort of know what we know now about her defying social, uh, social conventions, uh, we still kind of want to def defend Martha, I think, and say, well, no, Martha was doing, you know, she was doing what needed to be done. If Martha wasn't there, then nothing would ever get done, right? Um, I know that when, whenever we ask, have you ever noticed whenever you ask somebody, oh, how are you doing? Like one of the most common responses is just like, <sighs> busy. Busy, really busy. That's, that's like such a common response in our culture today. Uh, and I think a very understandable place that we all find ourselves in. But what does Jesus say? There's a phrase here. He says, only one thing is essential. Um, some translations say, one necessary thing. Martha is busy and busy doing really good and helpful things. And yet Jesus slowly reminds her that 
there is one necessary thing. Uh, maybe to perhaps first be in tune with his teaching, to be in tune with the source. Uh, maybe he's saying that you must listen before acting. You must first hear before serving. Um, and then he also redraws the boundaries of God's people in this moment. You know, Luke was a companion of Paul, and in the New Testament, Paul says, uh, famously, there is no Jew, nor Gentile, nor Greek, nor Hebrew, no male, nor female. And Luke, who uh, perhaps wrote this gospel, is, uh, is friends with, was friends with Paul. Maybe these ideas were floating around in the first century church, that these boundaries that existed within culture, Jesus is now affirming that he is redrawing the boundaries of God's people, that everyone is welcome in. There aren't these spaces for men and spaces for women, but that women, you think of all the great Christian uh, teachers that have been women, that have taught us so much through the years. Mary, in many ways here, is not the, not the contemplative, but the, uh, the pioneer of all the great women teachers that we have been the beneficiaries of through the years. Jesus is inviting everyone into a full life of discipleship. Mary and Martha, Mary is present. To say everyone is equal in the kingdom of God. It was radical then, and perhaps it's still radical today. Constantly breaking down social, societal barriers. Here, Mary is defying gender roles. Spaces that occupy she wants to live and walk and breathe in this compelling lifestyle. Martha does too. Martha does too. She's a disciple of Jesus. But perhaps, maybe, just perhaps, she has momentarily forgotten. Forgotten the one necessary thing. In the busyness of Thanksgiving lunch, it is easy to forget that this entire family might not be together in one room ever again. So this morning, may we be slow and attentive and hearing, and willing to learn so that we can go out into the world and demonstrate a new way of peace, attentiveness, and service. May we realize that there are no designated spaces in the kingdom of God, nothing to keep any of us from the love of God. Amen. Lord, we, uh, we just thank you, and we're incredibly grateful. Um, to be gathered here as your community. Um, may we leave this space uh, realizing that there are no designated spaces in your kingdom, that everyone is welcome and invited and affirmed to go and be and to live life to the fullest. All that you have for us. That we are to be slow, but also to go out in the world with an excitement, with an inspiration. Um, to do the works of service that you have called each and every one of us to do in different ways. And we are just incredibly grateful for the opportunity to be together here as a community on this day. And uh, we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.